tonight, how a Vancouver neighborhood is reacting with a violent rapist on the loose. Plus... I'm not one of these 9-11 truthers. Is the soon-to-be Green Party MP for Nanaimo Ladysmith a 9-11 conspiracy theorist? What we've learned about Paul Manley in a Global BC exclusive. And high-rise slowdown, the factors that are putting a pause on some Metro Vancouver condo projects. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Colleen Christie. Thanks for joining us. Residents of a Vancouver neighborhood are nervously keeping an eye out for the man who followed a woman home from a bus stop and sexually assaulted her. Police have released surveillance images of the suspect and are calling on the public to help identify him. As Grace Key reports, people living in the area are being extra cautious. This is the suspect. Have you ever seen this person around the area? No. No. Neighbors in Vancouver's Killarney area take a good look at a sexual assault suspect who's still on the loose. It's, it's so bad that it happened here, but I hope that the guys will find as soon as possible and the police catch them. And the girl, I hope that she's okay. Vancouver police are working on tips that have come in since the video and photos were released in this daytime attack. And we're asking everybody to take a good long, hard look at these images. Uh, Look at the way the man walks, look at his hair, look at his clothing, look at his glasses, and give us a call if you know who this person is. The attack happened at about 11.30 Thursday morning. An Asian woman in her 20s was waiting at a bus stop on 41st Avenue near Earl Street when a man started talking to her. She realized she forgot something, so she started heading home with the man following south on Earl Street. She was attacked and sexually assaulted in her home. Neighbors remain vigilant with the suspect still on the loose. Maybe I will be more careful now because I was waiting here like last Sunday at the night at 10.30 p.m. on the bus and I was absolutely okay. I, I didn't scare, but now maybe I will be more scared. Making me more aware of who's around or maybe like having always my phone close to call 911. The suspect is Asian, about 40 years old, with short black hair and an average build. He was wearing sunglasses, a white tank top, black shorts and sandals at the time of the attack. If you recognize the man or have dash cam video from the area, you're asked to call police. Grace Key, Global News. A high-profile trial at B.C. Supreme Court has ended in a hung jury. Jamie Bacon has been on trial for one count of counseling to commit murder. It's alleged two men lured Dennis Karbovnik to a mission cul-de-sac and shot him. Both men, who can't be identified under a sweeping publication ban, say they were ordered by Bacon to carry out the hit to satisfy a $20,000 drug debt owed to Bacon. Crown argued there is evidence to corroborate the men's testimonies. Defense argued the men were both simply looking to minimize their role in the incident and are trying to pin it on Bacon. After two and a half days of deliberations, the jury came back last night unable to come to a unanimous verdict. A date for a second trial has now been set for June 14th. The trial of the man accused of killing an Abbotsford police officer begins tomorrow. Oscar Arfman will appear in B.C. Supreme Court in New Westminster, charged with first-degree murder in the death of Constable John Davidson. In November of 2017, Davidson was first on scene and was allegedly gunned down by Arfman when he was confronted about possibly stealing a car. The Abbotsford Police Department issued this statement today. 
Since the tragic murder of Constable John Davidson, our friend and colleague, the men and women of the Abbotsford Police Department have looked forward to the commencement of the trial. The trial will move the entire community into another phase of healing. A number of citizens and police officers will be calling, called out to give difficult testimony, adding that any other comment will come at the end of the trial. A slowdown in the real estate market in Metro Vancouver has led developers to hit pause on some high-rise condo projects. Urban Analytics, which tracks pre-sale condo data, says one of those projects is the Meridian in Coquitlam near the Evergreen Line. It's given official notice that it's postponing the development. During the first quarter of this year, the number of new or pre-sale condo and townhouse sales in Metro Vancouver dropped by 56% over the previous quarter and by 61% of the same quarter last year. Now that people realize they have some time to buy, there isn't that fear of missing out. They're, they're taking their time and, uh, and making their buying decision over a period of time as opposed to rushing into what is typically the, uh, the most important decision of their lives financially. The other thing is, you know, recognizing that the market has slowed and um, you know, revenues have dropped a little bit because of prices slipping in, uh, in the market for new product, for, for new product. And given that construction costs have still not come down, they're still at, at record highs, uh, developers have uh, decided just to uh, delay the launches of projects. On the heels of two back-to-back record-breaking wildfire seasons, a woman living in the interior is calling for a province-wide ban on fires in the backcountry during wildfire season. Now, you'd think that would be a no-brainer, but as Tanya Beja reports, the idea is not being welcomed by the BC Wildfire Service. Summer still weeks away, but scenes like this one becoming too common in British Columbia. It would feel good, I believe, to know that it's not humans that are out there starting these massive superfires. Cambria Volante is launching a petition calling for a province-wide backcountry fire ban. So far, nearly 1,700 people are showing their support. We don't need to be having campfires in the backcountry. There's propane fire pits. There's lots of different ways that you can enjoy that same type um, experience with your family, but in a safer way. After two record-breaking fire seasons, Volante is hoping a province-wide ban will allow crews to focus resources on lightning and other naturally caused wildfires. But not all campers are warming up to the idea. As long as everybody abides by the rules and keeps the fire down in a campsite, uh, it should be okay. I think as long as it's seasonal and it is supported by the regional areas, then I think it's, it's a wise idea. Campfires are one issue and motorcycles, RVs, off-road vehicles, they create sparks too. Of the 194 wildfires this year, the majority were human-caused, but... Only two have been the result of campfire-caused wildfires. So we had one... Um, uh, campfire caused wildfire from an abandoned campfire and another one from an escaped campfire. The BC Wildfire Service says because fire and weather conditions can vary across the province, bans are decided on a regional basis. 
it doesn't serve everyone well to prohibit all forms of burning when fire risk is low. Still, Volante says a ban without boundaries would spark clarity about the rules and help prevent another summer like the last. What I wanted to accomplish with the petition is give people a voice to say that enough is enough. Tanya Beja, Global News. Anderby was pummeled by a storm on Friday. Hail and heavy rain triggering some flash flooding. As Megan Turcato reports, the North Okanagan City is still cleaning up and drying out. Mm-hmm. By all accounts, the rain early Friday evening was intense. The rain was just coming down extremely hard. The street in front of where I shot the video it just, it was covered from sidewalk to sidewalk and there was, every time traffic would go by, there was waves going up into people's yards and it was, I mean, it was really just crazy to watch. When cars went by, you could already see the car for the water going up in the air. It was uh, unbelievable. It was right over the sidewalk. The city says the storm was simply too much for the drainage system, leaving mud and debris on local roads and damaging some infrastructure. Some residents unimpressed with those driving quickly through the flooded streets, creating waves. They took no consideration as far as damaging people's properties. For them, it was fun, but really most of the people were saying they shouldn't have been doing that, that they should have gone slower and realized the damage that they could be incurring. But less than 48 hours after the heavy rain, the streets of Enderby are dried out. Residents say the water left as quickly as it came. It disappeared real quick. So obviously the city of Enderby has cleared those drains there because it, it did disappear pretty quick after it stopped. But those with flood damage are still cleaning up and drying out. We're mostly leaked with basically right here. At this antique store, this bin is still collecting water leaking from the roof as fans dry out the room. I had about six leaks because of uh, too much water. I had six inches on the roof, it wouldn't drain fast enough. But luckily, the damage at his shop wasn't serious. We were here to save everything, and the customers helped us too. They couldn't even leave, it was too thick out there, raining hail. <laughs> it's unclear how much rain fell. Environment Canada doesn't have data from Enderby. But what is clear is that this was a storm Enderby won't soon forget. Megan Turcato, Global News, Enderby. The Green Party's Paul Manley will be sworn in as a member of Parliament tomorrow after winning the Nanaimo Ladysmith by-election earlier this month. But two interviews he did with a noted conspiracy theorist about the September 11th attacks are raising some uncomfortable questions about the former filmmaker. Richard Zussman has the story you'll only see on Global News. Paul Manley is a history-making politician, just the second Green Party candidate ever to win a federal seat. I am ready to hit the ground running in Ottawa. But he also questions some of our recent history. In audio from 2007 obtained exclusively by Global News, Manley brought up this about the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Corporate media are all bought into the whole 9-11 thing. Of I mean, you, you know, are. like you, if you, if you talk to... Uh, those people there they're going to they're going to tell you you're a conspiracy theorist adding in that same interview the public doesn't know the whole story in a global news interview this weekend manley says he isn't part of the 9-11 truth movement 
The truthers are a group of conspiracy theories who dispute the commonly accepted account that al-Qaeda terrorists crashed airliners into the Pentagon and New York's Twin Towers. I'm not one of these 9-11 truthers. The soon-to-be Green MP explaining his decade-old comments were about Saddam Hussein and whether he was involved in the attack. Things were coming out about uh, the information around the Iraq war and what was true and what wasn't true. And so, you know, you're trying to parse through all kinds of information about, about complex issues and figure out, uh, you know, what is truth and what is, what is not true about these things. In the spring of 2007, six months before Manley's interview, U.S. officials went on American television to say Iraq was never involved in the attacks. Before politics, Manley was a documentary filmmaker and one of his movies played in a 9-11 Truth Film Festival. One of the things that you do as a filmmaker is you try to get your films out and screened in front of audiences. Manley won a by-election in Nanaimo Ladysmith earlier this month. He thinks the audio was leaked to distract from his swearing in that comes on Monday. Well, I think they're trying to create a distraction and they're probably trying to create a distraction from what's really important right now, which is climate change. Manley's now in Ottawa looking towards his political future, hoping his past won't hurt his chances for a long political career. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. And it's not the first time Manley's comments have raised concerns. Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us in Victoria. And Keith, I understand the NDP kicked Manley out out of the party because of those comments? Well, it's still a source of mystery. But yes, he was rejected as a candidate for the NDP in the 2015 election. Reports at the time suggested that it was because Manley was uh, vocal in his support for some pretty extreme anti-Israel positions, notably the BDS uh, uh, boycott, divestment and sanctions movement, which some people equate with a fairly uh, anti-Jewish and anti-Israel position that the NDP does not share. Uh, Manley disputes that, says he was kicked out for reasons he terms to be petty political ones and rejects it was about anything to do with Israel. Nevertheless, the federal Green Party, Colleen, has had a history of some serious internal strife when it comes to issues such as uh, Israel and Palestine. And certainly the, the Green Party actually had to change its position under pressure last year because it was being aligned with groups and movements that uh, many, many Jewish leaders in Canada had a serious problem with. So that's the history there. Manley has a different version, but of course he's no stranger to this type of controversy in politics. That is for sure. All right. Thanks so much, Keith. And and former Liberal MPs Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott will announce their political plans tomorrow. They, of course, were kicked out of the party following the SNC-Lavalin scandal. In a bid to address the overdose. I apologize. Keith, are you coming back to us? <laughs> I'm if so sorry, me. Keith. We we were going to talk about Jody Wilson Raybould. It's and not Jane. like me to cut you off. Sorry, <laughs> uh, I won't be cut off. Well, the, the rumor mill is rife and rampant. What's going to happen with Jody Wilson Raybould and Jane Philpot tomorrow? Both of them having simultaneous uh, news conferences. Jody Wilson Raybould 9:30 in her riding of Vancouver Granville. Jane Philpot at at 12:30 Eastern time, 9:30 Pacific time in her riding of Markham. Uh, the rumor mill is that they're going to announce uh, for the Green Party. They're going to be candidates for the Green Party again. That's just a rumor. I've got no firm. Uh, first-hand information on that. I suppose they could also run as independents, but a lot of people in Ottawa are chatting about this, and we're obviously going to have full coverage on that tomorrow on various global shows. Yes, we will.
Thanks now again, Now you can Keith. cut me off. All right, okay. cutting you off. You're done. Thanks, <laughs> Keith. <laughs> In a bid to address the overdose crisis, a Vancouver City Councilor wants to relax the rules that prohibit the sale of pot on the downtown east side. The city's 2015 medical cannabis dispensary bylaw bans sales in the downtown east side, except for stores on Hastings and Main Streets. NPA Councillor Rebecca Bly argues the rules may be preventing drug users from accessing low-cost pot as an alternative to opioids. Her motion to council argues the city already supports exploring pot to tackle the opioid crisis and says the cannabis exclusion zone may be doing more harm than good. As these new retailers with a managed supply chain through the provincial government are opening up, they have less control over the margins. And uh, essentially, cannabis, which is essentially our only safe supply for those most vulnerable that are looking for less harmful drugs than the opioids and the other things that they get on the street, um, they can't afford it. And so the cost has become prohibitive. An unusual call for firefighters in Greater Victoria last night. Have a look. Langford firefighters posted this video of a black bear they helped rescue. The animal was found in a large tree behind City Hall on Goldstream Avenue. The bear was tranquilized before fire crews and RCMP moved in to assist BC conservation officers to bring it down. The conservation service took the bear away for an assessment. Well, history was made last night. Even non-basketball fans found themselves cheering when the Toronto Raptors beat the Milwaukee Bucks to go on to the NBA Finals for the very first time in history. While the celebrations seemed to get a little bit out of hand at times, Toronto police, they, they didn't have to arrest anyone. Officers were very visible throughout the night and kept an eye on the crowds. Some people did jump on trucks, buses and even a police cruiser, but police were quick to put an end to that type of activity and disperse the crowds without incident. Even fans here in Metro Vancouver were celebrating. Kristen Robinson has more on that. In a stunning win 24 years in the making, Canada's NBA team advancing to the finals for the first time in franchise history. This is the main space where the Raptors hold training camp. Flashback to September when the Raptors championship season started in Burnaby, B.C. This is home for them. The Raptors holding court at Fortius for preseason training. Leonard, Leonard now. Before Kawhi Leonard and his teammates opened their NBA preseason at Rogers Arena with a win against Portland. As soon as that final buzzer blew, you're texting the people that you know we've worked with really closely saying, go get that championship, and you, we definitely feel like we're a part of it. The Raptors come from behind victory, inspiring BC's pro basketballers. It was really exciting to see. Anton Gill and his Canadian Elite League team already attracting crowds since launching earlier this month. Now the Fraser Valley Bandits getting a big boost from Toronto. I thought it would go to seven and they would, and they would finish it off, but um, they're a great team and they figured out a way to, figure, to finish it off. 25 years from now, we're going to look back on this and just see exactly what it ignited. Harvey to the hoop! Many hoping it may spark the NBA's return to BC, Vancouver losing the Grizzlies in 2001, although fans say we kept the appetite. 
It's no longer a bitterness as to uh, how do we lose a team. It's more of a desire for let's get a team back. For now, it's Go Raptors. Really proud and excited about what's coming up for them. Go Raptors. Unseating the reigning two-time NBA champion Golden State Warriors won't be a slam dunk. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Of course, the finals begin on Thursday, and now a Vancouver City councillor wants the city to host a public viewing of the NBA finals at the Vancouver Art Gallery, calling it Jurassic Park West in reference to the outdoor Toronto venue. The city is in talks with the NBA and other partners to host an all-ages event, viewing event for free. Now, if the gallery site is chosen, it would be fenced in. If interest is high, there could be other viewing sites throughout the city. We're expecting a full crowd. I mean, we're hearing the amount of fans and the amount of support here in Vancouver has been astonishing. And mostly when people say, when we were in the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals, we didn't get the same support from Toronto. So it's great to see the fans of Vancouver really embrace this culture. And I think this is an opportunity for us to celebrate the support of basketball and our partnership with the NBA, which we have had great partnership over the last few years, having an exhibition game here and having legacy projects like fix, fixing Strathcona Elementary School gym, Thunderbird gym and the Steve Nash court outside of the PE. Yvonne and Barry are here now. Of course, the chat that we're having in the newsroom is, oh, remember, remember when the Canucks lost <laughs> during... Yeah, we don't yeah, do we well won't in go crowds. There. Although I thought I was thinking maybe invite Drake. But that could maybe that maybe that's not a. Do good you think idea. he's going to leave Toronto? Well, yes, yeah, sure, playoff. possibly. Maybe even when it's in Golden, you know, in Oakland. Maybe when the games are good there, point. he okay. could just come he up the coast a little future. bit, stay in Canada, and cheer. I feel like he's going to be at every single game. <laughs> yeah, he ain't coming here. <laughs> no, no kidding. No kidding. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the weather was like today here on the south coast because I didn't nice. see much of it. <laughs> It was beautiful. So we did see a nice break. In comparison to yesterday, it was bright out there for many areas. It actually warmed up, especially away from the water today. A look at some of the numbers. We got up to uh, 26 for Nanaimo, Port Alberni today up to 29 degrees. And areas near Abbotsford into the valley with the Humidex, it was feeling like 26 degrees. We'll see a similar weather picture and story. We'll continue to follow this in towards uh, our work week. How long will it last? In a few areas across the province, still seeing a little bit of instability early this evening. I'll show you where very shortly. All right. Thanks, Yvonne. Two weeks after a massive wildfire near high-level Alberta began, the fight continues to save the northern Alberta town. The fire is still more than 105,000 hectares in size. Today, because of a shift in the wind, communities in the north may experience heavy smoke for the next 24 hours, but that's not the biggest concern. As Julia Wong reports, firefighters are testing all of their strategies to prevent a catastrophe. Water bombers fly over the forest near high level, some barely visible through the white haze. Crews fighting the wildfire have been bracing for Sunday. It's hotter and drier than the last few days. Extreme fire behavior will be uh, high rates of spread, spotting distances, large flame lengths, high intensity fire. So um, the fire behavior risk and the potential is, is very high. The smoke from the wildfire is thick and it smells very strong, but the biggest concern is something you can't see. Firefighters are expecting shifting winds the whole day. The fire behavior will start to increase through the day uh, and the fire will start moving in a northerly or northeasterly direction. Um, We can feel right now the wind is coming out of the south. Meaning it's pushing the fire towards high level. 
Crews have done controlled burns to get rid of fuel for the blaze. Firefighters have also been using sprinklers and moving items away from houses, all measures in case the fire reaches the town. Because of the extreme conditions that we're operating under, I hate to say anything's possible, but we are ready for it. Today is sort of the, the test day to see if everything that, that um, the tactical crews have prepared will hold. The fire had previously been three kilometers from town. Sunday afternoon, Alberta Wildfire says it was intentionally brought right up against town boundaries. Intentionally, it's a burnout plan that we put in place that uh, was successfully completed for the protection of the community. As for whether this means the town is better off than when the day started. We have crews on it and they're being, uh, uh, the hotspots on that are being put out and it's considered very safe to the community. Something residents can only hope for as the firefight drags into its second week. Julia Wong, Global News, High Level, Alberta. Two people are dead and more than two dozen injured after a Toronto, after a tornado rather, slammed into an Oklahoma City suburb late last night. Have a look at this. An aerial view shows the three-kilometer path of destruction as the storm damaged trailers at a mobile home park and left an adjacent hotel in ruins. The weather service is giving the storm a preliminary rating of EF2, meaning it had wind speeds of up to 217 kilometers an hour. Dramatic pictures of the massive destruction. The American Budget Value Inn ripped in shreds after a powerful tornado tore through the small town of El Reno, Oklahoma. It's rubble, just like we've seen in Oklahoma before. So it is handwork. We can't bring in heavy equipment at this time. A nearby mobile home park also destroyed as rescue teams continue to search for more victims. We called in uh, basically USAR uh, that's the urban search and rescue team, and they're going to set up a grid. Uh, they're going to start at the uh, trailer park area edge and work uh, through that area. Along with the dead, dozens are hospitalized. Mobile home residents thankful they survived. We had debris coming down on top of us, knocked us all down and everything. There was no way that we could have gotten out without help. Another twister also hit Tulsa, knocking down trees and causing widespread damage. Deadly storms capping an unusually violent week. At least 200 tornadoes reported from Iowa to Texas. Coming at us. To Maryland. Pray for our citizens. El Reno is a resilient community. Unfortunately, El Reno has been here before. In 2013, eight people were killed in the widest ever recorded tornado on the planet. Now the small town finds itself trying to recover again from another deadly twister. Jennifer Johnson, NBC News, Washington. Stanley's former business manager was arrested yesterday on elder abuse charges involving the late comic book legend. Kai Morgan was taken into custody in Arizona after being charged by prosecutors in Los Angeles earlier this month. He faces a number of charges, including theft, embezzlement, forgery or fraud against an elder adult and false imprisonment of an elder adult. A misdemeanor count also alleges elder abuse. Authorities say Morgan sought to capitalize on Lee's wealth and exert influence over him. Police also say Morgan pocketed more than $262,000 from autograph signing sessions that Lee did last year. Morgan's lawyer denies the claim, saying he never abused nor took advantage of Lee. 
sadly died in November at the age of 95. A deadly shark attack in a vacation spot popular with British Columbians. Tourists watched in horror as first responders brought the victim to shore on a jet ski. The man was swimming in shallow water just off Canapali, pardon me, just off Canapali Beach on the west side of Maui when he was attacked Saturday morning. Efforts to revive him were unsuccessful. They pulled the man up. Um, he looked unconscious when they transferred him to the other gurney, and we could see that they were trying to do CPR on him. But as we got closer, I saw some blood on his stomach, and then I got looking a little bit more, and his, his wrist, it looked like the skin on his wrist was just torn off. And then I got looking closer, and his entire left leg from his knee down was just missing. The victim was a 65-year-old man from California. It's not known what type of shark was involved. Attacks in Hawaii are rare. It's been four years since the last deadly encounter. The incredible rescue of a toddler in China. We're going to have that story for you coming up. But first, the Four-Wheel Drive Association of B.C. doing its part today to keep our beaches clean. Volunteers partnered with TELUS and the city of Richmond to remove garbage from Triangle Beach. The group has made this an annual family-friendly cleanup for the last five years at least. Sadly, the amount of trash they have to pick up each year is growing, and asbestos is now among the items being dumped in the area. Yvonne, hard to believe, but... Uh sad reality these days. And we're thankful for the volunteers that get yes, out there. So everybody should uh, do their part. For sure. <laughs> thankful for this nice weather too. Yeah, it's been very pleasant. We do have a few clouds that are rolling in depending on where you are across Metro Vancouver. We didn't see much of a break for the Fraser Valley today and it was all courtesy of a system that brought us the moisture yesterday and it's just still sitting to the south of us but it is going to be beautiful and brighter as we look ahead towards our Monday onwards. We're sitting at 19, a light wind out of the airport southwesterly at 9 kilometers per hour. High to Today was up to 20, above the average, but areas away from the water, 23. Humidex feeling closer to 25 and 26. A glance at a few of the numbers. The North Shore sitting at 23 right now. Similar for Pitt Meadows. Tawasson sitting at 20 degrees. White Rock at 18. And areas near Chilliwack at 21. It's been pleasant. Areas in the interior, inland for Terrace and Bella Coola, still sitting at 28. Now, we've been keeping an eye on the system. So yesterday it brought in the moisture, the rainfall for us, but it's Still bringing in that cloud cover right across the southern edge, any areas near the border, and then stretching to the southern sections, southern areas of the island as well. But it is going to dissipate as we look ahead towards tomorrow. We may still have a few clouds just for the morning hours. Most areas across the province tomorrow will be benefiting from a ridge of high pressure that is in place and it continue to build and be very strong. The concern, however, is we're not seeing any moisture over the next few days, and the fire danger rating is at high to extreme for the northeastern corners of the province. Much of the central half sitting underneath moderate. And a reminder, please be diligent with your cigarettes as well as your campfires. And if you do spot any activity, call star 5555 or the 1-800 number that is listed there. We still have an air quality statement that it's in effect for the northeastern corners that pushes down towards the Caribou area. Prince George is included within that. We'll still see it impacted by the wildfire smoke for the next 24 and potentially up to 48 hours. Now we're keeping an eye on that ridge. Building in towards the midweek onwards, this could take us in towards next week. So very dry 
dry and sunny. The northeastern corners tomorrow up to 27. One of the warmer days will be Tuesday with 29. Whitehorse up to 24 degrees. An increase in cloud cover kicks in on Wednesday and cooling off to 16. Coastal section 17 tomorrow. Areas away near Terrace, away from the water up to 29. Caribou and Central Interior, 26 over the next two days. And the Columbia and Kootenai will see a few clouds in the mix, but still remaining dry. Tops in Okanagan tomorrow. More sunshine, especially for southern areas of the Okanagan. And a range for Whistler near the village, 25 up to 30. And the island, fantastic. Inland once again near Port Alberni tomorrow could get up to 29 degrees. It's going to be warm for areas that are away from the water with the humid. 25 26 fantastic looking forecast over the next five days be prepared it's going to be hot my goodness all right thanks so much Yvonne heart-stopping video out of China a toddler falls from an apartment window and a man on the street tries to catch him have a look at this the man was parking his car beside the building when he noticed the two and a half year old child at a fifth floor window he stretches his arms in a bid to catch the boy but is knocked to the ground the child was taken to hospital but incredibly does not have any serious injuries the brave hero has a few cuts and bruises but is otherwise okay wow is it football season already? It is hard to believe, isn't it? They're actually starting the CFL season a little bit earlier uh, than usual. I think about a week or two. They want to want to get things done a little little sooner. Oh, a little uh, more practice. November. So, uh, yeah, not much more practice. Not for the Lions. <laughs> they look like they need a bit more. But it, it is early. It's tough. Football, one of the hardest uh, games to kind of get together at the start of the year. A lot of moving parts to that. Thanks, Colleen. The uh, Lions didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare for their first preseason game today in Edmonton. Less than a week, of course, at camp. And then they go on to the field that is not a recipe for sharp football. And we saw that today. The Lions offense, which did not include Mike Riley or really any of the projected starters on offense, didn't uh, do much of anything in a 22-7 loss in Edmonton. Nice day for football, though, in the Alberta capital. First quarter, Lions get off to a roaring start. Shakir Ryan will let the ball bounce on the punt, but picks it up at his own 47. Then look out, breaks one tackle, finds a seam, bursts through and takes it all the way. A 63-yard touchdown return for Shakir Ryan. Lions led 7-3, but that was literally it for BC on the day. Eskimos got a big play from their returns team as well. Joshua Stangby is going to find a seam, and he is off to the races. Tracked down by Marlo Sean Franklin. That saved a touchdown on the play it did, and uh, it did later on too. So the Eskimos were first down at the five, but could not convert on third down. The Lions D with the stuff, they take over, but it was Edmonton with a 12-7 lead at the half. Third quarter, Eskimos add to the lead. Logan Kilgore at quarterback with the touchdown toss to Tavon Smith. Eskimos win at 22-7. Lions return to Kamloops to continue training camp tomorrow. Their final preseason game, June 7th, at home to Calgary. And then the, uh, they open the regular season Saturday, June 15th, at home to Winnipeg. That's just three weeks away. Canada started the World Championships with a 3-1 loss to Finland. Since then... They won eight straight, and today they met the Finns again, this time for the gold medal. The Finns play a very physical, shutdown defensive style, and that is how they knocked off the powerful Russians. one nothing in the semis yesterday. Kako, Kako likely to go second overall at the NHL draft in Vancouver next month. 18-year-old on the Finnish team. Finns shorthanded. Mark Stone, though, loses it. It's a breakaway. Thomas Shabbat forced to bring the Finnish player down. It's a penalty shot call, so... 
Oliver Kasky is going to take the shot, not Capo Caco. And it's a save for Matt Murray, still scoreless. Canada opens the scoring. Alder Grove Shea Theodore showing his skills, busts through there and then fires at top shelf. It's 1-0 Canada on the great goal by Theodore. Late in the first, Canada almost goes up two. Philippe Myers stepping into one from the point. Heavy shot, though, rings it off the post. It's 1-0 after one. Quick start in the second for the Finns, though, on the power play. Marco Antela going five-hole on Murray. Probably wanted that one back. Antela scored in the quarterfinal, the semifinal, and now the gold medal game to tie it at one. Stays that way into the third, and it's Antela one more time. Takes the feed from behind the net. Quick release beats Murray over the shoulder, and it's 2-1 for Finland. Still time for Canada to respond, but with four minutes to go, the Finns put it on ice. Harry Pessinen beats Murray with the screenshot. 3-1 Finland, they're pumped up. Very few NHLers on that team, but they got it done with great team play and effort. Canada settles for silver medals. It's the Finns who are the world champions for just the third time ever and the first time since 2011. Memorial Cup final from Halifax, all Quebec League affair. Champion Rwanda Huskies against the host Halifax Mooseheads. Rematch of the QMJHL final. 1-0 Halifax when Raphael Lavoie adds to the lead. He's expected to be a top 20 pick at the draft next month. But the Huskies roar back. They tied it, then took the lead. Peter Abandonado making it 3-2. Ruen Naranda, and then two minutes later, Vincent Marlowe on the rebound made it 4-2. That's in the dying seconds right now in Halifax. Looks like the Huskies are going to win it all. Tough news for Canadian tennis fans. 18-year-old Felix Auger-Aliassime has been forced to pull out of the French Open due to a groin injury. He hurt it in the semifinals in Lyon on Friday and played through the pain in yesterday's final, which he lost. Aliassime was in great form and was seated for the first time in a major, but he's hoping a wise decision will allow him to be healthy for Wimbledon. Two of the three Canadians play in the singles uh, draw tomorrow. Denis Shapovalov on the men's side, Bianca Andreescu on the ladies, Jeannu Bouchard gets going on Tuesday. Meanwhile, the French Open did start today in Paris. Roger Federer making his first appearance since 2015. Just one French Open win for Rafa, or for Roger rather, in 2009. That Rafa guy keeps getting in the way. Roger rolled today in straight sets against Lorenzo Sinego, so he is on his way to the second round. There were some upsets on the ladies' side. Fifth seed Angelique Kerber of Germany is out. Venus Williams, not seeded, had a tough first-round opponent in ninth seed Alina Svitolina of Ukraine. And Venus fell 6-3, 6-3, so she is out. Sister Serena is seeded 10th and plays her opening match tomorrow. Welcome back. The Raptors and their fans are still basking in the glow of an historic, emotional night where they punched their ticket to the NBA Finals for the very first time in their 24-year existence. Toronto hosts Golden State in Game 1 of the Finals Thursday. And despite their impressive series against the Bucks, the Raptors are heavy underdogs. The Warriors, even without Kevin Durant, are a handful. But we'll see if Toronto's defense can throw them off like they did Milwaukee. And of course, the Raptors do have Kawhi. Back comes Middleton, goes behind the back, and lost it. Lowry with the steal. He has Giannis behind him, gets to let it in. Stuck a facial by Kawhi Leonard. Um, I'm more of a team team aspect, see what my team is doing. just want to win. I don't, I don't care about being the best player. I want to be the best team. I always said that. And, you know, um, just before the season when we made the trade, Masai felt that way about me. He told me how he felt and why he made the trade. And 
uh, you know, it's turning out. It's turning out well now. I mean, we're in the finals and we're not done yet. History events to celebrate. This a franchise that entered the NBA back with the Vancouver Grizzlies back in 1994-95. Means a lot. Um, you know, it's taken a long time to get here in my career. 13 years, seven years here. Um, I've, I've ran to one guy for a while, and you know we were given opportunity. He left, and we beat a really good team in Milwaukee. Um, for me, you know, to savor the moment, but um, you know, I'm not satisfied. You know, our goal is to, to win, a, win the NBA championship, uh, championship, and um, you know, we're just gonna keep getting better and plugging the way. All right, Indy 500 from the old Brickyard, but it was a Frenchman who won the greatest spectacle in racing. Simon Paginot started on the pole and he had a duel with American Alexander Rossi. They swapped the lead five different times over the final stretch, but in the end it was Paginot in the yellow car that gave team owner Roger Penske his 18th Indy 500 win. And, of course, to the winner goes the milk. Paginot may have saved his job. He's in a contract year, but it would be hard to believe he would be replaced by Penske after bringing home the biggest race on the Indy calendar. And uh, Canadian James Hinchcliffe uh, finished in 11th place. Now to the French Riviera, Formula One, Monaco Grand Prix, racing amongst the yachts and the billionaires. Lewis Hamilton of Great Britain had the pole, but he struggled with grip on his tires. Lap 76, he and Max Verstappen bump, but Hamilton manages to stay in front. Verstappen had a five-second penalty from an unsafe pit exit, so even though he crossed second, he had lots of time to make up and finished fourth, but Hamilton, thanks to some uh, fine blocking, kept Verstappen behind him, took the checkered flag, his third win at Monaco. Canadian Lance Stroll was 16th. Blue Jays today and another of their young sons of former Major League stars at a breakout moment, Kevin Biggio, son of former Astro great Craig Biggio, with his first Major League homer, a solo shot measuring 405 feet. Dad is proud of that, and the Jays win it by the final of 10 to 1. LPGA's Pure Silk Championship from Williamsburg, Virginia. Canada's Brooke Henderson, just a shot off the lead when the day began, finished with this birdie on 18, but she could only manage a three under 68, finished two shots back, tied for second. It was England's Bronte Law who had this birdie on the 16th. She holds on for the two-shot victory, and that is her first win on the LPGA Tour. And on the PGA Tour from Colonial in Dallas, Jordan Spieth's hometown, just two off the lead when the day began, but Jordan could not deliver for the fans today as only birdie came on 18. Two over 72, finished tied for eighth with Canadian Mackenzie Hughes at five under. Kevin Na ran away with it, finishes with a birdie, and a four-shot win over Tony Finau for his third PGA win. And he gave his caddy a 1973 Dodge Challenger, which uh, goes to the winner. Matt Kuchar could take some notes from uh, Kevin Na dealing with the caddies. Roger Sloan of Merritt finished 31st. And sad note from football NFL great Bart Starr has passed away at the age of 85. He was the star quarterback for the Green Bay Packers in their glory days in the 50s and 60s. Starr won five NFL titles, including the first two Super Bowls under legendary head coach Vince Lombardi. And Starr was also the NFL's MVP back in 1966. He was also a 
coach for the Packers uh, later on. Really? Didn't do so well then. He was much better as their uh, quarterback. Oh, that's great. Thanks for All that, right. Barry. Okay, if you haven't had dinner yet, uh, <laughs> a bit of a warning. This <laughs> might uh, curb your appetite or enhance it. I'm not sure. The ninth annual World Championship Pepperoni Roll Eating Contest was held in West Virginia. The number one professional eater in the world, Joey Chestnut, of course, ate a world record 43 pepperoni rolls in just 10 minutes. 10 minutes. He told the news crew afterwards that he still wasn't full yet. You know, why does that not surprise me? Still room for dessert, I guess, right? I guess. It's a separate stomach for dessert, they say. But at that rate, I don't know if it would exist anymore. (laughs) No kidding. Really quick last look at what... Uh, It's going to be warm once again. A great start to the work week. Uh, Get out and enjoy it, but be prepared for the heat, too. Excellent. Thanks for watching. Take care. (laughs) 